Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Making sense of methane. One accomplishment of the recently concluded COP28 climate summit that has received a bit of attention in the aftermath was an agreement called the Oil and Gas Decarbonization Charter. This agreement, which is largely an instrument to institutionalize greenwashing by the oil and gas industry, focuses primarily on methane reduction, which many first world governments and businesses have decided to deem a bigger priority than actual decarbonization because it's comparatively easier. If you can't tell by the tone of that first paragraph, the breakthrough does not even come close to living up to the hype. The oil and gas decarbonization charter was part of an effort in Dubai to breathe new life into the global methane pledge created at COP26 in 2021. That pledge, which now has 111 countries as signatories, calls for countries to work together in order to collectively reduce methane emissions by at least 30% below 2020 levels by 2030. This is certainly aspirational, but the countries that have signed on are only responsible for 45% of human-caused methane emissions. The other 55% comes from countries that have not agreed, which include three of the four biggest emitters of methane, China, first, India, second, and Russia, fourth. The world's third biggest source of anthropogenic methane emissions, the US, is part of the Global Methane Pledge and the one making the loudest noise about prioritizing methane abatement. The US chose the venue of 28 Colombian pesos to announce new Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, regulations on methane emissions from the oil and gas industry intended to avert 58 million metric tons of emissions between 2024 and 2038. The U.S. also led a fundraising drive for methane abatement, which resulted in about $1 billion in funding pledges, about two-thirds of which were from the private sector, and almost half of the rest, $190 million, from the European Commission. The Oil and Gas Decarbonization Charter is a corporate rather than a government initiative, having been signed by 50 companies responsible for about 40% of global methane emissions. The two key points of the charter are a commitment by these companies to eliminate their methane emissions by 2050 and to end the practice of flaring, where methane gas in well or refinery operations is burned off either for safety reasons or because it's the cheapest way to get rid of it, by 2030. The world is supposed to get excited about all of this because it means that the biggest root source of greenhouse gases, the petroleum industry, you know, the same industry that engaged in a decades-long, coordinated conspiracy to suppress its own research accurately detailing the scale and speed of global warming is finally doing something proactive, and because methane is a far more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, 20 or 30 or 50 or 80 times more potent, depending on who's chattering about it. First of all, the oil and gas decarbonization charter in no way compels the petroleum industry to mend its errant ways at all, it is entirely voluntary, and provides no enforcement mechanism. Second, the text is full of flexible language that will allow any oil company to interpret the agreement almost any way it wishes to, and still claim compliance. For example, the pledge to end flaring was modified to say, and routine flaring, which allows a lot of room to carry out flaring that is, for some reason, not routine. Third, the agreement only pertains to oil companies' own operations, which actually contribute very little to the emissions caused by fossil fuels, none of the value chain of oil and gas products is addressed by the agreement. And finally, there is a frustrating equivalence drawn between methane emissions and carbon dioxide, CO2, emissions, the implication being that any reduction of the former is as good as a reduction of the latter. 
This gross misconception is not only part of the oil and gas decarbonization charter but also the global methane pledge and just about every national level initiative to reduce methane emissions. Lest whatever I say from this point forward be misinterpreted, let me make it clear that preventing methane emissions is absolutely something that everyone should be working on. It is a dangerously potent greenhouse gas, and any amount of it above zero in the atmosphere is bad. The only problem, although it is an enormous problem, with the common perspective toward methane abatement is the false equivalence with carbon dioxide. Methane, CH4, is relatively short-lived, it has a strong greenhouse effect in the atmosphere, but it breaks down relatively quickly in a matter of about 20 years. Carbon dioxide, CO2, on the other hand, does not, it remains in the atmosphere for millennia, or for all intents and purposes on a human timescale, forever. They do not behave the same way, so it is impossible to compare them in the way that is commonly done now, which is to say that some amount of methane is equal to some amount of CO2 equivalent. Put in perhaps the simplest terms I can think of, it is a flow versus stock problem. The harm caused by methane is a function of the rate at which it enters the atmosphere, the harm caused by carbon dioxide is caused by the amount that accumulates in the atmosphere. Apples to oranges. Eliminating methane is not the same thing as eliminating CO2, it certainly helps, but only in the sense that doing so only prevents making an already bad problem worse. Realistically, we could choose to do absolutely nothing about methane, and it would not make any sort of long-term difference. Likewise, focusing efforts on methane while essentially ignoring CO2 because methane supposedly has a CO2 equivalent will not make any sort of long-term difference, either, but that is the road a lot of governments, big businesses, and climate policy advocates have chosen to go down. All they need to do to fix that is to stop conflating the two and stop mischaracterizing methane abatement as decarbonization reduce methane emissions for the sake of preventing the particular effects they cause, but continue to focus the greater effort on CO2 because it has a greater long-term impact. Ben.critz at manilatimes.net